Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast that critics around the world are calling, can I get paid to listen to it? That's the only way I'll have, well, listen. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, that's a great question to ask. Um, I would love to get paid for listening to it as well. Um, and I think everyone feels that way. <laughs> but anyways, welcome to the show. Uh, we have a huge announcement I don't know about huge, but uh, a fairly big announcement to mention that uh, I was trying to decide if I do at the top of the show or if I wait. Um, and I think I'm going to wait. I'm going to tease it. I'm going to tease it to a later segment. So we're going to go right now um, into, let's go to some random news, random news of the week. But before we do, I do want to say thanks for coming back, uh, listening to another week. Uh, I got my tea here. My hot tea ready to rock for this uh, this week's program. Uh, we just came back from a few weeks. I was uh, um, away working, um, and so I uh, ran a couple best of episodes. Check those out, best of advice and best of random news. And so uh, in honor of those, um, we're going to start with the random news segment of the week. Uh, we just, just did, but we actually, I got a couple really nice... Um, more than a couple, actually, really nice emails um, and texts about the best of episodes, which some people will say, you know, best of not good. Uh, that's one of the biggest oxymorons. <laughs> and to those people, I say, shut up. Um, but yeah, uh, let's start with some random news. Uh, let's just get right into it. And yeah, like I said before, welcome back to the to the program. Um, so we'll start with some cold news. It is super cold out. Um, I love talking about how cold it is in Minnesota because it is, especially being back here so much, um, it's definitely way different. I was uh, in California a couple weeks ago for work, and then I was in the middle of the country, um, <clears throat> and right as everyone was getting hit with that big cold vortex, uh, which didn't feel like as bad as the one a few years ago, but uh, definitely still awful for sure. I was running outside to check something before my flight back here for the holidays. And I ran out. And as I ran out to check something in the rental car, the wind was against my back. So it was fine. It was kind of pushing me along. But on the way back into the hotel, I was running right against the wind and it was the worst. I was like, okay. And they said they issued a warning that was like, if you're out for 10 minutes, more than 10 minutes, you're going to get frostbite. So I was like, okay, great. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, this first story, cold weather that swept through Texas led to a car wash being frozen solid and apparently damaged. Uh, you should see an image of this. A, a video was posted to Instagram, and it is pretty pretty ridiculous. Just like when you see Minnehaha Falls or any falls that get frozen, um, it's just like that in the car wash. It's nuts. Um, but yeah, so they show, showed this. It was uh, at a car wash just outside of Austin with its interior filled with huge icicles. The car wash's brush roller is seen completely encased in ice. Uh, the video was filmed Saturday when temperatures in the area dipped into the low double digits. But yeah, definitely. It was pretty crazy. Um, so cold. Uh, and another, you know, going from one cold story to another one, this uh, was in Lake Michigan. Uh, conservation officers in Indiana responded to a Lake Michigan beach to rescue a Canada goose that became frozen to the wet sand. We've all been there. Uh, Indiana Department of Natural Resources law enforcement said 
that conservation officers responded to the edge of Lake Michigan at Indiana Dunes State Park early Monday on the report of a goose in distress. They probably get those reports quite a bit. Uh, the officers enlisted the help of volunteer far, far, firefighters, <laughs> firefighters uh, to assist with the dislodging the goose from the icy sand. Um, so yeah, did, did that, probably just some crowbars. Just did a quick pull. <laughs> However they did that, I'm sure it was methodical and very nice, nice, proper treatment to the goose. Uh, the bird was then transported to the nearest suburban family for Christmas dinner. Uh, no, bird was then transported to a local licensed wildlife rehabilitation and veterinarian facility for treatment. So there you go. Happy ending for that story. Uh, from there, we go to Kentucky, where police were summoned to a neighborhood when a resident confused a part of a neighbor's Christmas vacation-inspired yard display for an inappropriate visitor. <laughs> I love this story. Um, one, you know, I watch Christmas Vacation every year religiously. You know, uh, like planes, trains, and automobiles and Thanksgiving, Christmas Vacation is, you know, one of the pinnacle Christmas movies, of course. So you got to watch it. Such a tradition. Um, but yeah, so a Shepherdsville Police Chief Rick McCuban said dispatchers took a call from a resident reporting a scantily clad man exposing himself um, outside with a hose between his legs. When the officers arrived, they found that it was really just a mannequin. Uh, recreation from a scene in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where Cousin Eddie, <coughs> excuse me, Cousin Eddie, played by Randy Quaid, stands outside in a robe while emptying his RV's toilet. And so there you go. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I'll explain this cough in a bit, too. Uh, the mannequin is part of Joni Keeney's Christmas display. Everybody has a Cousin Eddie in their family. I just want people to have a good Christmas and get a laugh. Keeney said the scene had been a hit with most of the neighborhood, but not this resident. Yeah, the I think... <coughs> excuse me i think that the resident should be you know arrested for three years at the very least i don't think that's excessive at all i just love when people just get up in arms about stuff you know at the very east, very east at the very least she should uh you know give that neighbor an apology you know <coughs> man oh man you gotta take a hit of this tea Uh, and I don't really have a cough button on this microphone. Um, I'm probably just going to have to burn the microphone. Uh, but, uh, yeah, from there, then we got to get, of course, one world record in before we go, which is uh, that this guy, a serial world record David Rush, teamed up with a neighbor to earn the title for the most toots of a party blower. Uh, party blower. I think I know what that is. That's just like that. Let's see. Oh yeah, here it is. Yeah, we've all seen seen that a party blower, and it makes this sound. There you go. So this guy um, said that uh, he teamed up with one of his uh, co-collaborators for breaking these Guinness World Records. Uh, teamed up with his daughter for his latest attempt at breaking the record of 78 toots, which was set by British duo 
um, in 2018. The record has rules, including each toot must extend the blower to a full nine inches, and the participants may not touch their blowers at the same time. Rush and Hannon ended their string of attempts with a qualifying run of 86. So there you go. If you can beat that amount of toots, you got to go for it. This is the record to beat. This is your time. Toot it up. From there, we'll do some checking in. This is the checking in segment of the week. So I figured I'd do this one right now since the coughs <laughs> have been uh, pretty uh, nonstop on that last segment. Um, and so i got to apologize for that. And I definitely will have to burn the microphone because I've got a case of the COVID. Uh, that's what I got for Christmas. <laughs> I'm, yeah, so I've been uh, hanging out by myself in quarantine and figured that's the perfect time to do a solo podcast. So that's what I'm doing. But uh, yeah, it is. Uh, this is the first time that I've had COVID. And I always hear people say, oh, I want it so bad. I would love it. <laughs> no, no one's ever said that. But if you if you are ever like, oh, I just want to get that over with and do th- and get that, um, don't. Just don't do it. <laughs> it's, it's not worth it. Um, yeah, the first day was kind of, it was really rough. It did feel like when I got the uh, vaccines for it, felt that same feeling super achy and then it just kept progressing and getting getting worse and you know feeling lethargic and a fever and uh this cough that comes and goes but i'm slamming tea so that should be pretty good but um hopefully on the tail end of it it's been a few days four or five days that i've had it so um hope to be on the other side of that i lost my smell and taste which sucks. That was the worst. And it completely changes the taste of beer. Let me tell you, um, such a bummer. And I was like, I hope I get that back. I feel like every once in a while, I get a faint whiff of something where I can kind of smell it like pickles. I had pickles, uh, yesterday and I could taste those and I could smell them slightly. So I took that as a good sign. So we'll see more updates on that because I have heard that people, some people have not recovered from that. That's some will have like permanent no smell and no taste. So we'll see. Hopefully not. But um, but yeah, I do think that I pinpoint can pinpoint uh, when I got it, and it was one of two times I think. And when I tell you the times, I think you might agree. I was at an airport um, when I was talking about earlier, middle of the country, coming back from work. And so I'm at the airport and this woman pukes in front of me. And when I say in front of me, I'm not like saying like I saw her a football field's length away. And then it's one of those things where you tell at dinner parties like, oh, yeah, someone right next to me is puking. No, this woman literally, I mean, if it didn't splatter and hit me, I'd be very surprised it was that close. And she was like in the process of puking while running by me <laughs> into her hands, trying to like conceal it. She was like, just kind of like, like puking in her hands and swooping it into her shirt just so that it wouldn't fall on the ground. But it was, it was just falling all everywhere. Sorry about this. This is a horrible description, but this is what happened. And then so, and it was so right next to me. Like I think her shoulder 
did bump into mine. So I was like, oh, okay, this person, whatever this person has, I now have. Um, so that was great. And then there was another one where the guy sitting right in front of me on the airplane was hacking up and doing this cough that was one of the worst coughs you've ever heard and just sounded painful. Like he was in pain and everyone was in pain listening to it. And um, I remember listening to it and I did have my mask on for part of it, but at one point I had my mask off and I was um, sitting right behind him and we were, it was so cold that they, the plane couldn't make the turn for the runway and it was so icy they would have just kept turning. So they had to get a truck out to pull it to get to the runway. <coughs> Excuse me. And so while we were waiting for that, it was, you know, it was going to be a while. And I just drifted off into sleep and I fell asleep. And I woke up an hour and 15 minutes later. We hadn't taken off. And he was still coughing. And I woke up with my mask off and I had my mouth open. I'm a mouth breather. So I was like, okay, well then I'd probably sick from that guy. He probably coughed and just landed in my open dumb mouth. (coughs) But yeah, either way, just great. Great timing for all that stuff. All right, from there, we'll go to some TV. So one of the big things that I've been able to do with this uh, sickness is watch a ton of television and movies because I'm just, you know, holed up here in the apartment by myself. But uh, but yeah, so watched a ton of TV, caught up on the Tulsa King, which I am loving. Um, Sylvester Stallone, that's the Taylor Sheridan um, show where he's a mobster that goes to Tulsa and kind of sets up his business and roots there. Um, it's getting in this, you know, Sylvester Stallone plays a guy that just got out of prison and goes to Tulsa. And it's great. And it's getting more and more violent and even better and more gripping. And the, they're kind of tightening the screws on the main character. So it's getting intense, and I'm liking it. And I'm along for every second of it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Fleshman in Trouble or Fleshman is in trouble is the Jesse Eisenberg uh, TV show. And uh, they just did episode seven, which was seen from the perspective of the wife who at this point in the series. So you have uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes and they're this couple that aren't doing too well. And you essentially see it all coming from, you know, Fleischman's point of view and Jesse Eisenberg's character And so she doesn't come off well. She just kind of leaves the family and disappears. And you're like, is she in trouble? Is she being selfish? What's going on? Um, And this one, you know, this episode answers that. That really it was was a bunch of things leading up to this about, you know, motherhood and, um, and really kind of, you know, filled in the blanks of this character. And you're very, you become very empathetic and you uh, really care for her. Um, my question was, though, but, you know, did they wait a little too long for this episode? Because you get to see her side and it is 
the most convincing argument and you feel for her and i did but i wonder if by putting it on episode seven because you have six episodes of eisenberg's point of view so at that point is it kind of null and void does it lose some of its impact has has the damage already been done you know is it hard to then fully sympathize with her i don't know it's tough because i do definitely feel for her learning what you learn but it's still like oh you know i don't think it negates the other the other things but i don't know the jury is still out we still got one more episode uh jack ryan i was like okay i haven't seen any of this yet and then they just dropped the third season so in order to watch that i gotta watch the other one so i watched the first season and i liked it i'm on the second season now and i'm loving that as well but i can highly recommend that i love the movies jack ryan movies and i love the tv show and at first I was like, you know, can Krasinski pull off an action role? And he absolutely can. Yeah, he's really good. So check that out. Um, 1923, I watched the first two episodes of that with Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. Great show. It's funny, I've watched 1923, 1883. I've watched all of the series that aren't Yellowstone, but they're the prequels to that. <laughs> I'm going to have to start Yellowstone at some point. Because I hear that show's awesome. And these ones are great, too. So it's like, why not? Um, all right, so that's the TV for the week. I'm going to do a couple quick comic books, too. So I've reading, been reading a lot of comics. Like I said, I have a ton of time with this good old COVID present that I have. And so, um, yeah, I've been reading a couple classic um, Conan the Barbarian comic books. i got a stack of them that I've been reading uh, from Marvel. And one of them... That's one of my favorites is Conan the Barbarian number 39, The Dragon from the Inland Sea. It was only 25 cents when they released it. Um, And then Conan the Barbarian number 43, Tower of Blood, uh, which features the long-awaited return of Red Sonja. A great one. That one's called She-Devil with a Sword. Or they call her that, Red Sonja, She-Devil with a Sword. Um, But yeah, both issues written by Roy Thomas. Classic, classic comic books. Um... If there's any way that you guys can check those out, do check them out. They're great. Um, a newer comic book that I'm loving is Lovesick. Um, and that is written and drawn by Luana Vecchio. And it's an Italian co- she's an Italian comic book artist. And she's worked for you know years in the indie comic industry. Um, but uh, she self-published this miniseries Lovesick. And so now they're doing it as this comic book. And so, yeah, really crazy. It's about, um, it's kind of like a mix of Hostel. It's this horror torture comic. um, And it's basically this dark web. And um, in the dark web, all these guys are paying for these dominatrixes to um, mutilate these guys live on a live stream. And so to torture and punish and to actually dismember or kill so it's a little bit of um you know snuff film stuff in there too which is crazy um but this blurb says nature has a kind of innocent cruelty while man why can't man's cruelty be called innocent and it says in one of the most lurid corners of the dark web subscribers pl- subscribers pay a high price to be maimed tortured and killed by the ruthless and irresistible dominate dominatrix domino so there you go. Can highly recommend. That's three issues. The third issue just came out uh, today as I'm recording this, and it's really good. So check that out. That's Lovesick. Time 
right, from there, let's go to some entertainment news. This is entertainment news of the week. So a couple fans of Ana de Armas. Armas? Ana de Armas? How do you pronounce her name? Ana de Armas. Ana de Armas. Ana de Armas puts in a surprisingly vibrant... Ana de Armas. There you go. There you go. You hear it there first. <laughs> Ana de Armas. Um, <clears throat> so two fans of her basically were super upset that they saw a trailer for the 2019 flick Yesterday, which I love that movie. Uh, Danny Boyle, I believe. And then realized that the final theatrical release contained no performance from that actress. So the fans were upset. A California, and they ended up uh, suing over it. A California judge ruled in the favor of the stands or of the fans, ruling that movie trailers qualify as commercial speech and are subject to the California false advertising law and unfair competition law. So when Universal teased her role on yesterday. Only to remove all of her scenes later, they duped the viewers who rented the film on the pretense that she had a significant role and would not have purchased the film otherwise. So there you go. Um, But Universal's defense argued that ruling in favor of the plaintiffs would set a dangerous precedent. Precedent. <laughs> uh, it would create a precedent that's very dangerous. Uh, a dangerous precedent allowing any moviegoer to sue over dissatisfaction with the film despite enjoying the trailer. Well, listen, is that, is that really all that bad? I don't know. Uh, this I thought was interesting. We did a, uh, so we have a, a spinoff podcast called BBC, which is the best book club. And uh, we reviewed a book. The first book was um, a book uh, that I've already forgotten the title, <laughs> but was uh, was it Jeff Tremblay? Uh, sorry, Paul Tremblay. And uh, oh, the Paul Bearers Club. And so it was Paul Tremblay's Paul Bearers Club. And we reviewed that book, and a lot of the people on the podcast weren't huge fans of it. And we're kind of surprised, too, we were talking after the podcast that he's gotten so many good reviews of being this awesome horror writer, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to check him out. But, uh, but we're not seeing it from that book that we read. So maybe we just picked the wrong one. But uh, this news I thought was interesting is um, his 2018 horror novel, The Cabin at the End of the World, is now a movie called Knock at the Cabin. So they just released a trailer for it. um, And it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. So there you go. That guy usually knows horror for the most part. And so he picked up that book, optioned it, and uh, there you go. So now you got a movie with Dave Bautista, um, Rupert Grint, and a roving band of zealots. Um, that's what this says here. So there you go. Um, and it is about people that take their child into the woods for some family time, and then um, it ends up turning into uh, not a great time. So yeah. So yeah, it was weird because the trailer actually looked kind of interesting, but if it's, you know, I'll give him another try, but, um, and I maybe should read that book. Maybe that's the one we should have started with. That could be. I've got a funny way 
from there, we will go to some movies. So I've been able to watch a bunch of movies this week while I'm all <clears throat> hopped up in COVID. And so uh, one of the movies that I saw was Glass Onion. And it's called Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery because it is a sequel to Knives Out. Um, and yeah, I thought it was really good. I feel like I guessed who the bad guy was in that movie you know, before they got there, before the movie got there. Um, but I like how they did it. And it was kind of a brand new way of doing it, I felt like, and just over the top and well done. So it was kind of sweet. It was like, and I tell people that if you watch the movie, it is a little bit of a slow burn, but stick with it because all of a sudden it does just flip and it, it turns the whole thing on you and you're like, whoa, okay, what is this now? And then it's a totally different movie watching experience. So yeah, definitely, definitely check that out. Um, but, oh, I brought up this story though, which is Ryan Johnson <clears throat> is, uh, um, he said that he tries to make these movies self-contained. He's talking about the two films, uh, Knives Out and Glass Onion. And he said that, honestly, I'm pissed off that we have a Knives Out mystery in the title. He says, you know, I wanted it to just be called Glass Onion. He continues that, I get it. I want everyone who liked the first movie to know that this is the next in the series, but also the whole appeal to me is that it's a new novel off the shelf every time. But there's a gravity of a thousand suns towards serialized storytelling. So there you go. Sounds like he got some pressure from Netflix or whoever to uh, to do that and and put that title on there. But yeah, I definitely don't think you needed it. I think people would have been like, oh yeah, that's the Daniel Craig's playing that same guy from Knives Out. Get it? Um, but yeah, I watched it and I loved it. I'll give um, I will give Glass Onion a Knives Out mystery a good. Good or not good, I'll give it a good. Uh, from there, uh, we'll go to Unstoppable, this movie that I saw, which is a 2018 South Korean action crime flick. And <clears throat> it was directed by Kim Min-ho, and it stars um, um, Don Lee. And Don Lee is so good. And if you are familiar with him, or if you are familiar with the name and not sure, but he was in uh, Train to Busan, which is one of the best zombie films and just a great film in general. Highly recommend checking that out if you haven't seen it. Um, but this one is so awesome. And he's, uh, yeah, Don Lee's a South Korean Amer American actor. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, yeah, that was his breakout performance in Trinity Busan. But he is just awesome in this one, in Unstoppable. And he plays a former gangster turned seafood distributor who ends up, uh, his wife gets kidnapped. So he has to rescue her from a human trafficking ring. And uh, the results are nuts. It's a little John Wick style. Really good. Um, from there, I saw the horror movie The Nanny. And so, yeah, I'll give Unstoppable a good. And The Nanny um, has gotten a bunch of good reviews. And it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival where it won the Grand Jury Prize, making it the first horror film to ever win this award. So I was, like, intrigued just by that. Um, <clears throat> and it's about this woman, Aisha who's um, an undocumented immigrant living in New York City and is hired as a nanny to care for the daughter of a wealthy Upper East Side couple um, played by Michelle Monaghan, who's great. I, and I've been watching her again in True Detective and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But um, yeah, she's awesome in this and uh, 
kind of a kind of a disgusting person and so it's kind of interesting seeing that because she's so lovable in a lot of her roles and this one not as much um but i will say that this one is really good and then you find out the big twist is that uh you know because she goes to the united states and she's working to save up money to get her kid from back home to come with her in the united states and the big twist is that her child has been dead the entire time um and the people over in her, you know, hometown never tell her that until the very last minute when they meet her at, on the airplane. That's where they kind of lost me. And then and then they kind of wrap it up as if they, you know, they show her being happy years later and starting a life after that news. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like it just kind of wrapped it up a little too nicely, too quickly. Um, might be a... F- that might have to be like a movie I see again a couple times to maybe see like if I just missed it, if I was just, you know, shaken by the abruptness of it. So, but right now I'm going to give The Nanny, which is the Sundance Film Festival Grand Jury Prize winner. <laughs> I'm going to give it a not good. Uh, uh, not good. Um, and then the final movie is Joyride, starring Bobcat Goldthwait and Dana Gould. This follows the two comedians as they go on tour. And this was released last year, but uh, just made its way to Amazon Prime. So I watched this last night. And it was one of the most fun times watching a movie in a very long time that I've had. And so I loved it. Definitely needed to pick me up this week, so that was great for that. So if you need that, check it out. It's cool because... If you're a fan of these comedians, seeing some of the stuff they they talk about with their bits, like uh, Dana Gould always has this bit about how he did a commercial with Bob Hope and like Hope forgot, he was so old he just forgot his line. Um, And they show the actual Bob Hope clip while he's talking about it. So it's kind of cool seeing that. And on the same side with Bobcat Goldthwait, whenever he talked about he like set the Tonight Show set on fire. And how Jay Leno was upset. And you actually see the Jay Leno clip while he's setting the show on fire. And you're like, wow, okay. Now you're, you know, me actually seeing these. And I could have looked these clips up on my own, but I just never did. And so seeing it right there was just kind of a total, total eye-opener. Pretty cool. So there you go. Check that out. Joyride. I will give that a good for sure. And finally, let's do the one we've all been waiting for, the advice segment of the week. If you have any advice, questions, or comments for us here at the show, not good, reach out at notgoodwithmatt at gmail.com. That is notgoodwithmatt at gmail.com. And we will get to an advice question of yours later on down the road. So there you go with that. But first off, let's start with a woman who wants to know, She's saying that her fiancé is friendly to everyone, and she hates it. How can I make him stop? She's saying her fiancé, fiancé, 
<laughs> her fancy fiance is uh, so nice and overly sociable, she's saying, with everyone that it irritates her and she wants him to stop. Yeah, I think you, you got to force him to change. You should have, I think you should have to change if someone doesn't like something about you. You just need to. You got to. You got to please people. And if you've been doing you for like 48 years and then someone comes along and doesn't like the way you talk or you smile or laugh, you got to change it. I mean, just come on. It's common sense. Uh, yeah, clearly, I don't know. I don't side with you on that one. I, I, if it's like a creepy over the top sociable, like the guy's super nice at like awkward times, you know, when it's like during a funeral, then I can understand. But otherwise, I think, you know, we need more niceness and overtly nice people at this point in our lives. That's what I think anyways. Uh, another fiance question. Someone wants to know, how does she tell her fiance she does not like his mom? Oof, rough. So her fiance and his mom are extremely close, but as soon-to-be daughter-in-law struggles to admit that she dislikes her. Well, you should tell him, first and foremost. Then you should tell her. You should tell everybody. And um, like I always say, in a public (laughs) place, make sure it's a public place in front of a lot of people that can get upset by it. Um, no, listen, you're not marrying his mom. So I kind of think you got to get over it a little bit. Um, that's my opinion. Sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're not going to have, unless she's living with you, you know, you, there's ways that you can avoid that and it'll be fine. It's all going to work out. Um, a listener wants to know and find out if swearing off dating people with big, happy families if they should do that to avoid awkward questions about their own dysfunctional family. Listen, no, um, no family is absolutely perfect. You know, even if they seem like it, if you think that this, okay, this is the most ideal family, they're not. If stuff came up with your family, it might even lead to them, this perfect family sharing stuff about their family. Then you can bond on how, equally crummy your families are um no i mean everything's it's no family however perfect they look are completely flawless that's just that's just the truth of it um okay so someone wants to know they're saying that uh, this guy her boyfriend is perfect except for the fact that he doesn't like dogs so she's wondering if their boyfriend can truly be a good person if he doesn't love dogs Well, yeah, I think you're the best kind of person if you don't like dogs. Dogs are awful. There it is. All right, that's the show for the week. Thanks for checking out Not Good with Matt (laughs) Rashavi. Imagine if I just edited it completely like that. Listen, uh, I'm not a huge dog fan. I don't think dogs are awful. I I do like them, but I'm more of a cat guy. But um, if he doesn't like dogs, that's just who he is. It's like if someone doesn't like certain books or certain food it doesn't mean that they're bad people they just don't have a taste for that particular thing that's all it is um we can all live together it's fine it's gonna be good and with all of us living together we can all share listening to not good and we just finished another episode so thanks for checking out not good 
this week. Again, if you want to reach out, reach out at notgoodwithmatt at gmail.com. <clears throat> that is notgoodwithmatt at gmail.com. Hopefully next week my voice will be a little better for you. Um, we'll definitely find out. But special thanks to Nalo, Nalo and the unis, of course. My voice just squeaked on the unis as well. So that's great. <laughs> nailing it uh but yeah special thanks to nalo and the unis of course um for the music and uh yeah we'll see you guys in a week i'll hopefully be healthier and uh until then just remember i love you <laughs>